0: All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Beyond the Well. I'm your host, Austin Smedley. Glad to be back for episode number 13. Uh, I thought I'd do something a little bit different this week. Uh, I've been having guest after guest after guest. What I kind of wanted to do today was just sit down, touch base with everybody, and talk about one of my favorite things. Just me going on, rambling on for a little while. It'll be a little bit of a shorter episode probably this week in a lead-up to uh, some exciting stuff we got in the future. But just want to sit down and talk about something that I personally love and uh, care about quite a bit, which is black metal, as I'm sure many of you do too. Now, of course, could not possibly get going without speaking about the In Absentia Day, which I'm really hoping I say that correctly. Um, the In Absentia Day recordings that happened over this past weekend, a streamed event that Behemoth put on. Oh my. Oh my. I think we all know uh, Behemoth as being a band that is obviously a black metal band, death metal, the stuff that they were recording like the mid, uh, early to mid-2000s era. And they put on one hell of a live show. I, th- I think anybody who's been there and seen them in person, which I unfortunately have not had the ability to yet, but I definitely will at some point in the future whenever events start opening up and things start happening. What an incredible show that was. That was insane. I mean, just for one, the set was like two hours long, which was unheard of, at least for me. I'd never seen, I think I've only seen a show that was that long with, I think it was just one band. I went and saw Prayers. I actually went and interviewed them uh, a couple years ago and I was able to catch them for like this one-off show thing that they were doing. In Hollywood, and I was able to catch them there in uh, Hollywood at the Fonda Theater. So, if you were there, shout out to you. That was an incredible show, and I think you can, you know, back me up on that. Very personable, very long show. But what Behemoth was able to do this past weekend at the Church in Poland—the set design, the lighting, the audio, the streaming quality, the performances—just everything that they did this past weekend was incredible. I mean, I was a little skeptical. I think like most people in regards to the whole streaming thing, like streaming shows, I was a little like, okay, you know, it's 18 bucks. I'm not too sure. Like streaming itself can be a difficult thing to do because you always have issues that can pop up uh, screen lag, which some people did. There was for anybody who was uh, able to catch the absentia day show live, uh, there was a chat box like up to the right and you can see people from all over the world like interacting and introducing themselves and stuff. And there were people that were complaining about having uh, connection issues and stuff like that. But as a whole, like my, on my end, I just was able to get this uh, new setup with this new laptop and stuff, which actually allows me to do things like this and get the podcast going again. But it was uh, no problems at all on my end. And the streaming quality, and when I say streaming quality, I mean like actual picture uh, the audio, especially the audio, was in, was incredible. I had just sat here, was working on some stuff, and uh, threw some headphones on and was able to just sit here and watch the show. And I was surprised at how sucked in I was. I, I was surprised as to how much the show was able to keep my attention. I wasn't expecting that, in all honesty. I was expecting something a bit more kind of play in the background sort of thing but um and again i was skeptical of the whole idea of stream shows anyway you know like the the primary attracting a- attracting thing about going to a show is being there seeing the band live feeling the energy of the audience and i was wondering how that was going to play out with that just being gone without just being absent from the equation altogether but what the show may have lacked in audience attention and audience energy, like they're present in the church, which imagine what kind of a show that would have been if we were actually there, but, um, they more than made up for in, uh, again, performances like when they, uh, suspended that one woman that they had, the performer, they showed the footage of her actually getting the hooks set into her skin. And I, I remember I was watching this and for anybody who has seen the show or, um, I sat by and watched at least portions of it you'll know that throughout the course of the two hours that Behemoth was performing there were different clips and things like that that were spliced in between the songs that were recorded or filmed prior to uh, the event itself so when they initially started showing the uh, suspension act when she was getting the hooks put in her skin or shoulders and her back I think I was was sitting there like oh that's cool like uh, they're gonna you know just like with the fire dancers and the twirling hoops round that are on fire or uh, orion brought out a a crossbow and flaming arrows was lighting stuff on fire like a lot of this cool imagery that they had i just kind of assumed that this was going to be another one of those like oh this is cool something that they pre-recorded uh they're gonna go ahead and um, just just show it to us i'm like okay that's cool but no it was the opening, or it was actually during the song, Oro Pernobus Lucifer, that they have, um, which is one of the heaviest songs they have off of their most recent material, one of the grooviest ones, and how fitting. I mean, they were in a church, and Nurgle was calling this show one of the most... It was going to be the most blasphemous thing that he could have recorded, that he could have done with Behemoth, uh, being in quarantine and with the state that the world is in now. And he, I think he lived up to that promise. I think he more than fulfilled that, uh, that wish because he's already been basically an idol for Blasphemy and the music that he's created. But in terms of visuals, in terms of performance art and performing as an artist instead of just performing as a vocalist or a guitar player or whatever, he's one of the best in the game right now. I, I think it's undeniable at this point, especially after the, the display over the weekend. Uh, just the theatrics of the event, and the suspension that was taking place while they were playing the song. The atmosphere, even despite it being presented to us through a computer screen, the atmosphere was so thick. It was incredible. Like It was enveloping. It grabbed your attention, and it held it. It held my attention for two hours. I think I, just like most of you, or many of you at least, can attest to sometimes losing your attention span. Like I, maybe you were perhaps as skeptical as I am or still are in regards to things like stream shows where you're like, okay, I'm just going to sit here behind a screen and watch a band play across the world and I'm not there. It's, it, it can seem boring, but what this last weekend and Behemoth's display with Absentia Day, what they showed me was that this can really be done right. It can be done properly. And Behemoth set the bar, I think. They set the bar as high as they possibly could have in terms of production, in terms of sound quality, in terms of actual performance, in terms of setting, in terms of atmosphere. They really set the bar high. They really did. And I look forward to... I I had heard that uh, Cradle of Filth was going to be doing a show like this. I'm not a huge Cradle fan myself. But it'd be interesting to see what they can do. Uh, And other bands in the black metal genre that are going to be taking up this challenge. It's it's going to be very fascinating to see how they uh, match what Behemoth was able to do this past weekend. I think I'd mentioned it a second ago, but aesthetic and atmosphere in terms of uh, black metal has always been the most important thing to me. Uh, Quite clearly, aesthetic. You can take a look at the logo, uh, the new logo for uh, Beyond the Well and see that that's very much the case. That's very much the case. I like the the bare medieval sort of look of it. A lot of it is very uh, mysterious. A lot of it is very foreboding. It doesn't tell you a whole lot by looking at it. It's uh, It leaves a lot, not to be desired, but it leaves a lot up to your imagination. It allows you to fill in the gaps. And I, I think just a good way to get that started. Obviously, like this, what this past weekend was uh, a display of, which is the history of black metal as a whole has been founded in, blasphemy it has been founded in uh well i think blasphemy is the most important one (laughs) Uh, but uh, it's been founded in blasphemy it's been founded in uh the rebel mentality but really being a rebel taking it to the extreme to the point where bands in places well again behemoth is a good example but again they're from poland and just a couple years ago nurgle was being dragged through court cases i actually think he's still being dragged through Uh, court case with the uh, Catholic churches uh, out there churches plural because I'm not too educated on how the Catholic system works in Poland but there you go maybe one day I can get myself out there and talk to Nurgle about it personally huh but until that happens he will stand and so many other black metal bands uh, throughout history can stand as testaments to what all out full-blown blasphemy and rebellion will look like not just sonically, but stage presence as well. Like Mayhem, for example, one of the classic legendary acts from uh, that founded Norwegian black metal. Walking up on stage, and despite how short of a tenure he had with the band and how short of a life he unfortunately had uh, dead, burying his clothes in animal carcasses or rotting things, rotting uh, flesh, whatever it may be, wrapping a stage clothes in those things, burying them and then digging them up and putting them on before the show just to feel and smell like death, just to really bring that to the forefront. And although this can be a little disputed sometimes, but being the founder of, or one of the first to introduce corpse paint to the genre, standing out as being one of those trailblazers really I mean just in terms of stage presence in terms of aesthetic in terms of everything that he was able to bring to the table incredible I keep saying incredible but I really mean it incredible and walking up on stage and slicing himself up and uh, really presenting this morbid act of self-sacrifice and morbid expression of what in in terms of the genre gets a lot of flack for being a, a little campy for being a little goofy for being uh, overly reliant on overly reliant on the aesthetic and overly overly reliant on the themes that are present in the music generally you know like uh, cold sweeping landscapes and dead things and rotting things and Satanism and a lot of that very edgy sounding stuff, which admittedly a lot of it is, but if you want to look at someone who lived that aesthetic and lived that ideology to the full force dead is up there because this is someone who in genuinely was mentally ill genuinely was fighting with himself each and every day for his life. I mean, he was so ridiculous, like so incredibly mentally ill and had so many issues. The list just goes on and on and on. You can't look at someone else in the genre, especially back at that time and say, you know This aesthetic that we're going after, this mood that we're going after, this thing that we're trying to embody, being evil, Satanist, whatever it is, nobody stood atop the heap quite as much as he did. Because there were a lot of people, a lot of bands, a lot of artists, a lot of uh, trailblazers at that time. Bathory, Darkthrone, which was the second wave uh, Norwegian black metal band, but Darkthrone. Uh, mayhem, of course, uh, Venom, like all these separate acts that were a part of that first like 10 years or so, 10 to 15 years, a lot of them, especially with the uh, gift of, four, of uh, hindsight, we can look back at all of them now and see the different qualities that they had as bands, as musical acts, as, uh, as everything. I mean, they were incredibly unique in the way that they were able to present themselves, incredibly forward thinking in terms of uh, the the evolution that the, the music would take um, just song structure lyrical content uh, blending in elements of thrash metal elements of death metal like you see in uh, like modern behemoth and especially early Bathory if you want to get something a little bit more thrashy and early Dark Throne as well like the first two Dark Throne records the first being Soulside Journey which is essentially a death metal album but the follow-up which is basically a a black metal album with death like death metal elements to it, which is was then followed up by Under Funeral Moon. There are so many different bands that can stand. Gorgroth and Immortal are two other examples that I forgot to mention. Uh, such incredible talent that we were able to see in the first uh, couple decades of the the genre's birth because it was just such a unique concept for the time and something that was so, uh, so angry and so angsty and something that was so uh, re- really pedal to the metal. It's hard for me to look back at, uh, you know, bands like Marilyn Manson. Now um, bands like Marilyn Manson, Alice Cooper, you know, like typical shock rock kind of acts that you see even wasp uh, back in the uh, industrial era, you know, late nineties or so. With their record KFD and a lot of the touring that they did, you see and you hear the name or the words shock rock and it kind of puts a, an image in your head. Now, it's difficult for me to take that as seriously. I, I'm speaking as a Manson fan myself. That was one of the first or if not the first uh, bands that I really, really got into in terms of like owning every record that they have, uh, <laughs> memorizing every song whatever it is that you have watching video after video, after video on the internet of their live performances from the nineties, from the era that they were really, really popular and big in um, where they really brought it. And despite bands like Manson actually still releasing albums, they're going to be releasing one in just a couple days, their stage antics while influential, and they definitely had more of a light on them, a light shown on them, especially Manson in the late nineties, anybody who's a fan or especially those who lived back then, lucky enough as you were uh, to see what an impact Manson had on um, I guess middle America the conservative era Um, he himself has talked about how fascinating and interesting it is to be a president in well to be a to live as an artist under a Republican president because of how many different uh, sacred cows you can slaughter in the field and just uh, how many different eyes you can get on you but ultimately it's difficult for me now Uh, Someone who has listened to a lot more music since then, attended a little bit more shows, um, and experienced and read up on history and and really experienced other genres to the extent that I have. And seeing the way that they operate, seeing the cultural and societal impact that they had, uh, the actual controversies behind a lot of these acts, it's difficult for me to look at those and see... Manson is still being at the, you know, like the, the ringleader in terms of like, ooh, so, so shocking, so edgy. It's like, yeah, it's true, but then you have people like, uh, well, bands like Gorgoroth and Behemoth this past weekend, doing the things that they've done, uh, lighting things on fire, uh, slicing each other up. You want to look at the early Mayhem era with, uh, of course, the infamous Varg Vikernes incident these guys were murdering each other and killing each other and burning down churches. And I don't think anything quite reaches that level of quote unquote shock anymore. And I don't think bands like Manson or Wasp, despite how uh, Wasp sort of, I mean, they were mostly a quote unquote hair metal band. I wouldn't like to keep or throw that label at them. I'd like to call them heavy metal for the most part, but Bands like that and Alice Cooper and whatnot, it was shocking. It was fun stage antics. But with black metal, I think one thing anybody who's a fan, or even someone who's not a fan, is just kind of casually looking at the genre. I think they can see that the controversy, they can see that the uh, the craziness really didn't end there. It didn't start and end with the stage, it continued to go. It continued to bleed into other elements of the artist's lives. And in the case of, again, like people like Dead, it ended his life because he was so in tune and so one with these things that he was speaking about, suicide, uh, the call for death, um, just depression, these, these horrible mental illnesses that he was living under. And Mayhem and his previous band, Morbid, were his expressions of these things. They were his expression of these deep, welling insecurities, anxieties, and fears, and uh, his history with bullying, his uh, just very messed up life that he lived. Uh, Black metal was his expression of those things. And he held nothing back. And I think that's the most beautiful part about it. Of course, it's tragic that someone as young as him, I believe he was 22 or 23, uh, when he actually passed away. But it's, of course a tragic quote unquote tragic event that something like that would happen. I, I think it really just depends on your perspective. But at the end of the day, we can now look back as a collective and realize the impact that this young man had on the music genre. realize how important let's see. realize just how important the music that he made was, his stage present was everything just just how impactful of a musician this young man was despite him living such a short life we can look back and see someone who is truly committed to the music and the the evolution of the band that he was a part of and i think unfortunately as it may sound without the deaths of uh dead and neuronymous without the death deaths of both of them I, i don't know if mayhem would have exactly reached the uh peak that it did the infamy that they did, and I think uh, that sentiment can be echoed in the band Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. Anybody who's familiar with Gigi Allen can likely say the same thing about Gigi. I mean, this was a man who lived his life on the edge, did every drug he could get his hands on, took part in some very disgusting acts, both with his audience and on stage, and with people who rode with him and the like, to, like the tour bus and whatnot. I don't even think they had a tour bus, probably had a tour van. If, if not a tour van, then a tour car or something of, this, something of the sort. But someone who lived on the edge as fast as they could. And Gigi died at 35 of an accidental heroin overdose. And that was still 13 more years of life than Dead had. Dead died at 22. self-inflicted like shotgun wound. And then Mayhem plastered the image that Euronymous uh, took of his body onto their next record. And that was the album cover. And it was basically in a stamp as to how important death, how important the morbid curiosity that black metal can uh, extract. I think metal as a whole can extract and just really entertain within us this uh, fascination with death, this fascination with uh, the occult, with quote-unquote evil, if you believe that to be a thing. It's the ultimate expression of those things. And that's one of the reasons why it's drawn me in. I mean, to get back to black metal as a as a whole, like where my uh, inspiration came from and where I began uh, my path. And everyone has one. Everyone has like a, the first couple bands they can think of that really got them into the genre and really kept them in, quite frankly. Because I think uh, metal music as a whole has a way of speaking to you that uh, other music genres i won't won't say they can't but black metal and metal as a whole does it in a different way i think it builds the strongest possible communities around the actual music and go to a show and you'll see that i I think you'll go attend a country festival something like stagecoach and go attend a metal festival or even just a metal show And you'll see the difference in how people carry themselves. You'll see the difference in how uh, people interact with one another, especially if you're in a pit of some kind, how quick people are to uh, help you out, pick you up if you fall down, things like that, despite the overwhelming levels of aggression that are present at, at metal shows. I mean, that's just kind of part of the territory. But to get back to my roots and how special of a place uh, metal as a whole, especially black is Now that I get, I'm getting a little bit older, you know, I'm learning and reading a bit more. I'm starting to see just how important of a genre it is. But for me, like I said, the first band I ever really got into was Marilyn Manson. And they're far from a, a like a, a metal band. Really. Uh, they have done everything from industrial metal to, uh, glam rock really. And even some bluesier stuff with the, uh, latter output of the band, like in, uh, the Pale Emperor and uh, Manson's last record, have an Upside Down. My introduction to black metal came when I was like 14, 15, that year of uh, high school. And that was when I discovered uh, the first black metal band I ever knew about was Bathory. Now, I went and just like I think every fan of black metal has done, I went down to Amoeba in Los Angeles, not saying every black, metal's gone, black metal fan has gone to Amoeba specifically, but you go to a record store and I was walking around and I wasn't necessarily looking for anything that was uh, of that genre, but I remember at the time uh, Amoeba used to have this underground metal section and I haven't been there in quite a while, so I can't attest to it being there still, but I know at least at this time it was in an entirely different place of the store that they used to be in because I know that they just moved. But I remember I was walking through the underground metal section. At this time, I really didn't know a whole lot about the underground of metal. I kind of stuck to some melodic death metal. Like I was a big hypocr- hypocr- hypocrisy fan at that time. And I still am, still dig it. Uh, but the two bands that I think I enjoyed the most at that time were Marilyn Manson and Slipknot. Oh, yeah. So I was very angry, very angsty, very upset with the world. And that was my way of, uh, you know, flushing that out, those two bands, especially those two bands. There were others, but primarily those two bands. So for someone a part of that music scene at that time, I wasn't too accustomed or I I didn't know very much about the underground scene of death metal, of black metal, of thrash metal. That really wasn't my scene. And not that I was necessarily opposed to it. I just didn't know much about the genre. So anyway, I was walking through and I remember walking through the underground metal section, just taking a look and seeing some, some names that I didn't quite recognize, um, and walking out to the next like, uh, aisle that was there walking around, making another round. And I eventually made my way to the metal section and like the, wherever that used to be in that time frame. they're all kind of in the same area. Um, I believe the underground metal section back then is where the cassette tapes were moved after, which also had a lot of interesting stuff in it. But needless to say, when I was looking through a lot of these uh, metal acts, I found Bathory. And I, of course, I think even if you're not a fan of black metal, you have seen the album cover to that first record in some form or another, the Bathory self-titled record, big old white goat's head with the red eyes. Or if you're lucky... Uh, the golden one that they made, that was, I believe that was the first pressing, uh, maybe incorrect on that one, but I believe that was the first pressing. If you're lucky enough to find one of those, kudos to you, but I was not. I found a repro, but I saw it and then I turned over the CD, I saw a big old pentagram on the back and a track list. And I was like, wow, this looks interesting. And I think my other purchase that day was uh, a Whitechapel album, <laughs> which a Deathcore album, because that's really what I grew up with, was uh, Metalcore and Deathcore. That's like a, the era that I'm from. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll give these Bathory dudes a shot. We'll see how this goes. And I remember I had an iPod at, the t- at that time. Uh, I hadn't started streaming music yet. But I remember I found, uh, took the CD out, put it, in my, put it in the computer that I had at the time, copied it out and put the songs on my iPod. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give this a shot later. Cause I didn't have a CD player at the time I was uh, collecting, but I was, didn't have access or, or really a way to play the CDs yet. Didn't drive, didn't do any of that. I remember going on a walk and I threw the album on and I listened to it. And the opening tracks were just, again, what, Really stuck out to me about that album was the, the song Necromancy, which is still one of my favorite Bathory Three songs. Definitely my favorite off of that particular album. But I remember listening to the first couple tracks, which are a bit longer and a little bit more meant to build up an atmosphere. And I was listening to it. I was like, wow, this sounds like it was filmed filmed. This sounds like it was recorded in a rusty garbage can outside the back of an Italian restaurant. That well, What is this? Like, I was a little taken aback by the uh, terrible production quality. And I don't think anybody who appreciates black metal can say that that's wrong, because <laughs> it is. Uh, the actual production, oftentimes, is not the best, especially in the early, earlier waves of black metal. And I remember listening to it like, wow, this sounds like garbage, but uh, I like it. It's okay. And I kept listening to it, and then Necromancy kicked on, and I was like, Wow. I couldn't understand half of what was going on, but I loved it. <laughs> I think I couldn't understand what was going on, but I loved it. That, that was basically the, the case uh, for me in black metal. And especially in the beginning, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't quite know what I was listening to, but I loved it. And the atmosphere, the pent up rage, the uh, occult imagery, all, all of that was really stuck. What stuck out to me. One thing specifically about black metal This will be one of the last things we kind of touch up on today. I know I appreciate you for sticking around. This is just, again, something a little little special I wanted to throw out there, kind of in between a couple different uh, schedules right now. But just kind of wanted to sit down, touch base, and discuss some uh, black metal with you guys. And I know that there definitely will be stuff like this in the future. But one of the last things I kind of wanted to touch on was in terms of aesthetic. I listen to music and one of the things that I've noticed about myself is that when I listen to music, I listen to it and I appreciate and enjoy the soundscapes that I'm experiencing. I can appreciate the lyrics and I do. But the most interesting part about listening to music for me has been the story that I make up in my own head that is influenced by the soundscapes that I'm experiencing. That has always been really what pulls me in. So because of that, aesthetic and atmosphere are huge when it comes to music choice for me. And I listen to all kinds of stuff like most people do, but I particularly am drawn to aesthetics and I'm particularly drawn to atmosphere, which is why Black Metal Album covers oftentimes the atmosphere and the aesthetic of them is really what draws me in. I like the medieval look. I like the The folk look. A lot of like European bands use a lot of Norse mythology and runes, and I really appreciate that. I really uh, am drawn to that. And even bands like Al Namrud, which I really hope I'm pronouncing correctly, Um, they're a Middle Eastern metal band, an anti Islam uh, black metal band, and their aesthetics as well like just the again, blasphemous, but in a totally different way, coming from an entirely different part of the world. Very fascinating and really interesting stuff. If you've never checked out Al Namrud, check them out. But uh, the aesthetic of the whole thing, uh, the lyrical content, the rebellion, the anger, the blasphemy, all of it, the occult imagery, especially like they all come together to form a unique package that I don't think you can find anywhere else. It's something that's entirely unique to the black metal genre. And that's really what pulls me in. And I'm able to sit back and listen to a diabolical full moon mysticism or a uh, something of that sort on a drive or especially something like Transylvanian hunger, which is a lot more uh, dreamlike and it's very uh, hushed a little bit more subtle than other, especially dark throne records. But I can listen to something like that and be completely enveloped in what's going on. And just listening to the sounds. I can play my own story in my own head and I'm taken to another world essentially. And those are the things that really fascinate me about the genre. That's really what pulls me in. That's really what keeps me there. It's one of the genres that I'm pretty much always in the mood for. You know, I'm never, not usually in a position to where I'm like, "Ah, I'm I'm okay. I don't want to listen to that right now. Because there's so much variety in the genre and because there's so many different um, places it can go, so many different areas in the world that it's created, and so many different influences that kind of bleed into it, there's something in it for essentially every mood. I was going to say there's something in it for everyone, but that is not true. It's not true, but for those who are able to appreciate it, those who are able to love it, black metal is where it's at and black metal is where it's going to stay. So I think that'll basically do it for this week, everybody. I'm really glad to be able to just kind of sit down and just speak about something that that I really enjoy. You know, this isn't nearly as uh, driven or as uh, I won't say scripted because nothing I do is scripted, but, um, a little more free form, you know, no general, it's just a general topic and let's see what happens. So any stuttering, any uh, speaking fast, cause I know I do speak kind of quickly, but anything like that, that comes up, whatever it is, talking about something that excites me. So of course, but absolutely guys, keep an eye out. The next couple of weeks are going to be fantastic. Got some really exciting and interesting guests, uh, quite frankly, who I could consider uh, friends of mine to some degree. And they're both incredibly insightful, incredibly interesting, and I look forward to pumping out some solid content for you guys. I'm really excited to see where this is going. And again, thank you to everybody who's been downloading, who's been listening, who's been rating the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts specifically. That's really one of the most important things that allows Beyond the Well to be spread around and just podcasts in general to be spread around and to reach big, like bigger, broader audiences. And I know this isn't meant for a bigger broader, like bigger, broader audience. I'm talking about black metal for fuck's sake. But really appreciate the ratings. I really appreciate the sharing around and I'm excited to build more content for you guys and see what we can make out of it. Whatever the future may hold, I'm excited and I appreciate your support very much. If you could go ahead and leave a rating on this, apple Podcasts. if that's what you're doing you can rate it preferably five stars that'd be awesome but i totally understand if that's not how you're feeling right now but regardless of the fact share it around like it really appreciate the support and we will be back next week for some really interesting stuff stay tuned everybody have a good evening